Yes, I'm talking about a nonviolent revolution of consciousness. A consciousness that is able to understand how we're all inextricably connected to each other on this earth and to the earth itself. And that if we violate those fundamental principles, we do so at our own peril. Yes, we can continue to live in this delusion and the denials of reality because it's painful. It's frightening. Sometimes it's terrifying. It's terrifying to face the truth. So I ask each of you to search your hearts as to what your truth is for being a citizen of the earth, promoting justice as a foundation for peace. It's not going to happen magically. And I think it's not going to happen by relying on these political structures and institutions. I think we're going to have to wage peace in the most extraordinary ways, whether our government wants it or not. You will know in your heart what to do. But I know that without a nonviolent revolution of consciousness, we will not survive as a civilization or as a planet. We can choose to have peace if we want to pay the price. And what more glorious goal and value do we want than peace for all people? And so I look forward to working together with you all with we the people, to build a new society, a society that understands that we are not worth more and they are not worth less, and that we will be willing to pay the price and take the risks to wage peace with all fellow and sister human beings. All right, welcome to another episode of School of Thought. I am very, I'm very happy to have on today guest uh, Miss Alma Summer from the Agorist Marketplace, who uh, actually heard on uh, Nathan uh, Nathan Fraser's podcast, uh, Live Free FM. So you guys should check that out. Alma, welcome. Thanks, Drew. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, we were just actually Alma and I were just talking about Freeman and the confusion of the Freeman uh, people that go by the term Freeman and then their name. And it's, uh, but I don't know, it was just funny, so. It was uh, funny because I was like, oh, I think I know that guy. Is he the guy that was with We Are Change up in New York? And you're like, I don't know, it could be. There's so many of them. And yeah. Well, so my point was, it's like interviewing Anonymous. You might as well just start interviewing Anonymous, and everybody calls themselves Anonymous, and, you know, there you go, track us. Bring absolutely, it. Absolutely. <laughs> I've, uh, I actually, I had this conversation, speaking of track us, I had this conversation with this guy. He's like a IT guy, he works for the the government and i was asking him about like how you can hide your tracking and apparently it's like you can you can pretty much just set up a bunch of different like blockades but if they really know what they're doing they're going to be able to track you no matter what like do you know well, people say tor they use tor even though tor was created by i guess the navy and then there's a new one bit message which i still have not um gotten into i actually just wrote an article that's going to be on Daily Anarchist, um, it just we just finished 
going through the editing process. So it will be released here very soon. Davi was just trying to decide when he wanted to put it out there. So I'm excited about that. But it's all about different apps and things I use as an activist. So No, that sounds really interesting because I'm still like – this whole thing's really new to me. I remember I was using – I was using uh, news groups because I I didn't like, I didn't really like torrents anymore because torrents were kind of freaking me out, and so then I was like my friend was like oh you should check out this thing called Usenet, and then I was using uh, it was called NZB Matrix and all I really used it to was download movies, and then um, and like other stuff too, and then I remember like they started shutting down the hosting sites, and then I found one and that's how I first discovered Bitcoin because I wanted a Bitcoin. And I was really freaked out about it because I was like looking into it and I didn't know how to even acquire Bitcoin. And it said like I could call a phone number and it would basically just charge me based on how long I was on the phone call for. And it just kind of wigged me out. Like how how would someone go about like if let's say like Bitcoin is so prevalent now, like how would you go about like purchasing Bitcoin or trading for Bitcoin? Uh, localbitcoins.com is a website that I know a lot of people have used. But me personally, if I'm going to go buy Bitcoin, I'm just going to buy it from another, you know, activist or agorist or somebody that I know that's selling them. Um, and I have friends like that if I ever want to buy more Bitcoin. But what I try to do is earn my Bitcoin. Um, I've actually never bought any Bitcoin. I've earned all my Bitcoin and um, my first Bitcoin um, profit was a, a sold advertisement on Agris Marketplace to shinybadges.com, which is um, Dobby Barker creates shiny badges. And it was for eight Bitcoin, but this was like a year ago. So over the last year, I've been, you know, periodically spending my Bitcoin, which is awesome because I've gotten people interested in Bitcoin that never had any before. And even though they're just like a small little agorist, they're still able to make purchase, purchases with them and um, give them out to their family members, you know, for Christmas or things like that. Um, there's a really good quick starter guide that here again, Dobby, he's just like makes all kinds of stuff. He's just like super activist, but you can download it for free. Uh, Bitcoin, not bombs. Facebook page has it and you can give that to all your family members for Christmas. And it explains, you know, step by step. And here's all the different places you can go. Um, here's some different agorists that accept Bitcoin. There's like an insert that you can download too that explains agorism and the counter economy like very articulately for people to, you know, help them understand. So I definitely suggest going there and getting those resources for your families for sure. That sounds fascinating because we were just talking about how I haven't bought anybody Christmas presents yet. And that. Actually, a great idea. <laughs> if you're like loaded with bitcoins, you should check out bitpremier.com, and you can buy, uh, you know, you can buy like huge, giant mansions and stuff on there with bitcoin. You can even purchase a lease on this one island for I think 20 years uh, with bitcoin. It's like I don't know 600 bitcoin or something, but still, you know, who knows? One day it might be one bitcoin because bitcoin's just so valuable. That one Bitcoin buys you an island, and I'm definitely looking forward to that day. <laughs> That's pretty insane. Like, what what is the exchange right now for Bitcoin in in the U.S. federal? Well, I guess the Federal Reserve notes. 
You'll have to look if you're by a computer because I'm actually yeah. not in oh, front of my computer right like? now. It's like 80 um, bucks or something now, isn't it? Or is that one Bitcoin? No. By not. yesterday, I think it was almost at seven hundred dollars. Seven hundred dollars. That's what I meant to say. Clearly, I'm it, clearly I'm up to date on this. <laughs> oh, so funny! I was watching old. Um, I think it was old Pork Fest video. Or it was an old, it was a different, it was some Liberty event. And they were talking about Bitcoin being at a hundred dollars and they were just so amazed that Bitcoin was at a hundred dollars. They couldn't even believe it. And I'm just laughing because it hasn't been a hundred dollars in a very long time. It's been way well over that and continuously just goes up. And, and I think it's so funny when people say that, Oh, Bitcoin crashed. I'm like, it crashed really? Is it worth $4 again? Because if it is, I'm going to go buy a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> who, like, who, where did, like, how did Bitcoin start? Like, who originally started Bitcoin or did it just? Satoshi Nakamoto. Okay. And so Satoshi Nakamoto, like, what was the, like, what was the intent? I know, like, I'm, this is funny that this is turning into, like, I'm, like, just using you as, like, a Bitcoin history professor now. <laughs> but that was the but I don't like I don't know a bunch about it. For some reason, I've never gotten in front of my computer and used the Google machine to look it up. And I don't think a lot of people know about it. Like it's just uh, so. If you wouldn't mind, like, when did it like come in about and everything else like that? Well, I guess it's. I think it started in two thousand nine. Was when the code was first written. Um, even a year ago, Bitcoin, you know, was only. It, what was it, four or five dollars or something? It just started gaining its value over the last year because the the payment systems and the infrastructure have have all been put into place by um, different companies like Coinbase and BitPay, which help you integrate accepting Bitcoin in your website for whatever service or product uh, you um, provide to people. And I think BitPay has over twelve thousand merchants, yeah. and they're doing millions of dollars in transactions like in november i think it was 55 million dollars in bitcoin trans transactions i read an article about it you can look it up um bit pays i don't know stats or something like that and that's that's just amazing that's just bit pay so coinbase i don't even know how many merchants they have but i use coinbase and i really like them um they did have an issue a long time ago where the somebody had hacked in and and gotten um every people's email addresses so i am actually still dealing with some of that and i know that it's fraudulent so every time it happens i send them another email and i'm like you guys need to figure this out like if you're going to let these fraudulent coinbase people's continue to email your customers you're going to you're going to continue having issues so i don't know how the free market is going to you know take care of that sort of thing but at least making people aware of it and to be careful. Like when you get an email from Coinbase and it says, Oh, you need to, we're going to shut your account down. If you don't verify this, you don't want to fill any of that stuff out. Like go to their website and contact them and ask them if that's legit. And they'll tell you it's not. Um, anyway, that's just a few issues. There are other issues like sheet marketplace, which came about um, after Silk Road got shut down and, and just for, I don't know. for people that don't know, what can you tell people what Silk Road was? Silk Road was basically like a a black market type of way to get, you know, drugs or basically anything. You could just get anything there. And um, they do have someone in jail from from Silk Road 
but I don't know if it was the original guy that started it to begin with, and now someone else is running it, it's back up. But while it was down cheap marketplace, I think is I think that's when that one started. And someone, whoever was working for them, I don't know, it could have been even the government. I have no idea, you know, but you can go to the blockchain and you can watch these transactions leave that wallet. So the person who stole all that money, you can see what the current balance of the wallet is. You can see who they're sending Bitcoins to. Um, there's also things, um, I'm trying to think what the name of it is. Oh, it's called a Tumblr. So you can create a Tumblr or use these Tumblrs to help you, um, send coins to different wallets. And I haven't really researched a lot about those Tumblrs, um, or what they're really good for. Yeah. I don't know, you know, and, and I go to these Bitcoin meetups and these guys will be talking about mining and that stuff just goes right over my head. I used to mine when Bitcoin first was around. I created, uh, there was a website where I got a script that I was able to put on my website. So when people came to my website, it would automatically mine Bitcoins for me. I don't think I ever made a bunch, but I definitely, now that they're so valuable, made some. So I wish there were things like that for Litecoin and Peercoin, and maybe there aren't. I just don't know about them yet. But since those currencies are very low right now, I think there should be similar scripts, you know, that existed like Bitcoins did. So I've known about Bitcoin for a long time, though, because I've been an activist for many years. Um it was two Ron Paul campaigns ago that I started getting involved and I started going to different Liberty events like pork fest. And that's when I got excited to start one in Arizona and that one's called the Jackalope freedom festival. So go ahead, Drew. I've been talking and talking. No, I'll no, go on it's, forever, it's, so. it's, it's actually awesome because like, I, like, I don't even know, like, like, like I, man, like I, I semi got involved, but then I just was involved with myself. And I think I just wanted to pretend like I was, I was, I, I felt like I just wanted to have a, a different um, perspective than everybody else. So I paid attention to it, but I didn't actually go out and do anything. So this is actually like really, it's really cool for me to hear everything that you do because I don't even know what, like how I'd get a Bitcoin wallet. Um, I don't know a lot of that stuff, which. So for those Christmas gifts that you you said we could get, I'll probably get one for myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, just a pamphlet, and it's got some really useful information in it. Um, but, what else? Well, I was just gonna say. So yeah, let's let's go back to when you first started becoming an activist. So it was like two Ron Paul campaigns ago. So was that uh, was that two thousand eight or two thousand four? Um, it would have been. Oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think. What, what what year would he have been, been been president in the first campaign? I think well, his first campaign was when Obama was running, right? That was like the original one. So that would have been in two thousand eight election. And I started. I remember I saw from from freedom to fascism, and then I started to pay attention. And then I I remember like I started kind of going down the path, but I didn't I didn't really know how to filter out information. So like I think like I just now am getting a grasp on that. So that would have been about two thousand seven, two thousand six. <laughs> Yeah, it was 2007. That's when I started going to Politics on the Rocks meetings and uh, different events that Ron Paul was coming to. And, and that's when I started meeting a lot of the activists. And freedomsphoenix.com had a workshop in Phoenix, and there were a lot of activists that were hanging out down there making signs for different campaigns, doing videos. It kind of became like a major hub for activism. Um, it closed 
I think after a couple of years and now Ernest Hancock has the workshop up at his farm and he does all sorts of things, including aquaponics and he's got a shop with, he can make carbon nanotubes. He's working on batteries and he has a screen printing machine and a, uh, a, a flyer printing machine. He's got all kinds of different resources there available to people and even chickens and eggs and all kinds of stuff like that. So, and he does a radio show five days a week called declare your independence with Ernest Hancock. And since I quit my slave job, one of my jobs has been doing his social networking. So that's been a great opportunity for me to be free and, you know, not be, I mean, I'm still working for someone, but it's my choice and I don't have my money stolen from me. So that's pretty nice. And a lot of people are, I've met so many activists through the Freedoms Phoenix Hub and anyone that lives in Arizona that hasn't heard of it yet, eventually I think does because they just do so much work with so many different groups of people and Ernie's constantly interviewing people on his show as well. And, um, you know, he, he created the love, the revolution logo with the love backwards. I've never, I'm not even sure what that is. Um, it's the word revolution and then love is backwards when red. Yeah. Yeah. The Ron Paul one. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. That's an Ernest Hancock creation or came out of freedom's Phoenix during that, that Ron Paul campaign. That's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. And then the, the guys that own ronpaul.com still still use that. Um, I think they still use that. I thought, like, what did you think with the whole, with the, the lawsuit and everything that Ron Paul did? Like, I heard Nathan talk about it, and I had stopped paying attention to politics at the time. So it was just like, I don't even bullshit. think I know what, what you're talking about. Well, Ron Paul, apparently, like, he sued um, the guys that own ronpaul.com, and he, like, filed a lawsuit with the UN. Um and he actually lost, which was surprising, but they still run his website. And I'm guessing just because I guess I'd rather run that website and make money than go to a slave job. But uh, I don't know anything about that, but I do know he has a new website, Ron Paul MD, and he's doing a weekly podcast. The last one was on Bitcoin and I saw it somewhere and I still have yet to listen to it. I'm actually I really want to go hear what he has to say about Bitcoin. Yeah, I would, too. But no, like it was uh, no, like he he filed a lawsuit, I guess, uh, back in February because he wanted that- he wanted their mailing list and they said they'd sell it to him for like five hundred thousand dollars. And uh, it was like kind of a big ordeal. Uh, that seems weird to me. I mean, he's he's a politician. He's got tons of mailing lists. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was I weird too. Um, I, like I I heard like I heard Nathan talk about it, and then I like I I read a little bit about it, and it was just kind of like the I don't know, like it was just kind of like I felt like it was it was just disappointing. Like I was like, man, this can't be true. But, I think if I saw that story, I would just be like, why and why am I even kind of paying attention to this i don't know what ron paul does and if he wants to that seems weird it's kind of like an intellectual property thing too i don't see why just because it's his name he would feel like he owns it i don't get that from his message so i mean in fact i've you know become a big fan of copy left and open sourcing your ideas through the whole freedom movement i don't believe i own any of my ideas in fact i encourage people to take my ideas and spread them and change them and tell their friends about them and (laughs) yeah no absolutely like i my friend uh well ben stewart like he has this that philosophy about like his movies like he encourages people to use his movies even if they're trying to disprove what he's saying and i always thought that was like 
I mean, I think that's yeah. like, that's the, that's the way it should be. Like you shouldn't, like you don't really own anything, like even your ideas, like they just kind of come, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, I think it's silly. Intellectual property is just a silly thing to me. Um, right. Because well, most of your ideas came from someone else's idea or an idea that you heard and then you just expanded upon it anyway. So if you had never heard the original idea, would you have come up with that idea to begin with? Like, should you always credit the original? It's just so silly. It's like, I might as well just create credit the, I don't know, everything anything and everything i think it's important when you use somebody's art or you use somebody's movie or music or whatever to let people know where you got it from yeah but i, agree. But I don't, don't think you should get sued for it without their permission like i think it's <laughs> i think that that part's what's silly or like even with would, like even with like my podcast if i want to put someone else's music in my show they can sue me over it you know what i mean like if i don't if i'm trying to sell it then um, I, I don't understand why they would even think that way. Don't they want people to hear their songs? Yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. I think it's uh, it's uh, like it's like it's, it's closed. Close. It's just closed. It's like closed thinking close. in a sense. Like it's you're not. I guess they're not seeing the big picture. It's all. It's just kind of a greedy thing. I think it's just greed. Well, and not only that, but you have to go to the government to get permission to own ideas anyway. Yeah. 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 What yeah. the heck, boy? Did they do a good? That that's a. That is just some brainwashing right there. Oh, you got to come and get your permission so you you own this. Well, if you really want to own an idea, go create, you know, a, a some kind of tidbit about your idea. Or if you want to document your property uh, with coordinates instead of going through the county's, you know, registrar office, you can just do that through the blockchain. So if you if you purchase a piece of property in Bitcoin or you want there to be some kind of uh, record of it, you can just create a transaction. So, and then document in the notes what the transaction was. So now there's this record of this transaction forever. So if you were the first one to come up with this idea, you can document it in the blockchain and now it just exists there. And now everyone knows you came up with it first, unless somebody can prove somehow that, you know, obviously they didn't. But even then, I don't think there's still any reason why I should pay that person some kind of royalty forever just for having a good idea. No, I agree. I completely agree. I think it's uh, even like the way it's like even the way like our, our government like goes into countries and then we privatize. Well, I shouldn't say we, because it's not me, but then they (laughs) privatize, uh, they privatize like their, their, like their water or even like, it's even crazier. Some guy was arrested because he was saving rainwater in in Washington, like Colorado, it's illegal to collect rainwater. Yeah. That's such bullshit. Like, it's like, why, why is that? Well, they say you're taking away from the general population, which doesn't make any sense because if you're collecting your own water, then you're drinking that and you're not using the general population water. Yeah. So doesn't it even out? Logic would say so. Logic would say so, Alma, but apparently not. Apparently you and I are just missing the bigger picture. And, uh, There's people that believe it too. They'll go, but you're taking away from the general public. I'm like, mm, no. not exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, it's just like the whole thing that like, I think it like government really is a religion and it's like it, like I didn't, it didn't really like, I, <clears throat> I heard Nathan talk about it on his show and then I was like, man, I never really looked at it that way. But you look at like the monuments and everything and then South Park really nailed it this year on their like first episode of the season where Butters is going to the DMV and treating their employees like it's a confessional which is pretty funny 
But uh, I think it's like it's just crazy. I think it's if people can't wrap their heads around the idea that you know the government isn't necessarily thinking for your best interest. I'd say it's more of like a cult. It could be. Well, yeah, I'd say it's a cult as well. I'd say it's a cult as well. I, th- I think it's 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 like a mixture of that and and conditioning. Um, oh, absolutely, conditioning. Like you're pledging to a flag that you know nothing about. You know, before you're old enough to think for yourself. Yeah. Well, now that's actually outlawed in schools because uh, they put God in the pledge of allegiance, and so someone had a bitch fit about it. So now that you don't say the pledge of allegiance in school anymore. At least not in Ohio. I, I remember when I was younger, and this is so sad, that the kid that was Jehovah's Witness that didn't pledge to the flag, I remember thinking, well, there were multiple thoughts going through my head, like, oh, was he better than the flag? Oh, was his parents just teaching me to have to? Like, I, I think I there was, like, I felt I was forced to do it, so why shouldn't other people have to do it? It was just such a weird thing. And I wish I would have had a little bit – different way of thinking back then at least i wish my parents kind of would have been like you know this there's different reasons why people do different things and kind of explained it to me a little bit better so i understood that people think for themselves instead of just following what everybody else does yeah i uh i think my mom my mom was actually really good about that like my mom was really like my mom is like a super like i love my mom to death so i don't want to like I don't want, I don't, mom, if you ever listen to this, but you can't figure out how to use your computer, so you probably won't. But if you ever do, if you ever do listen to this, I want you to know I love you. But like she was, she was always like, my mom is so funny because my mom's like this hardcore Democrat. But then she's also really big on like, like she's really, really big on like freedom. And she's really big about like letting people do what they want to do. But at the same time, like she's very conservative when it comes to like dress. Or the way you carry yourself and stuff like that. So it's always funny, like, because we don't see eye to eye on politics, but I really feel like the way that she raised me is a big reason why, like, I've all, well, I don't know. I was also diagnosed with, like, oppositional defiant disorder as a child because I never liked people telling me what to do. <laughs> I think that's normal. <laughs> yeah, I think it's normal too. And, uh, and I think, uh, but my mom was always good about, like, Cause I like, if ever, like, cause I think there was a, I said something about like, I don't, I think it's stupid that they don't stand for the flag. Cause I think I had the same situation. My mom was like, well, that's their religion, sweetheart. And that's a freedom that they're allowed to exercise. And I go, oh, I didn't realize that. And then I was like, oh, that makes sense. So I think it's, uh, I don't know what the whole point of that story was, Alma. But I no, think it's I'm... like it, it, I understand what you're saying because I was actually raised Mormon, so I had oh, wow. a double like oppression. I had government oppression and religion religion oppression growing up, and I I wish I would have had a choice. Yeah. And who knows, you know, what kind of person I would become if I had had more of a choice than you know these forced things: go to school, or go to church, and I just never understood. Well, mostly I think it's because our parents were brainwashed in the same yeah. form. So they think that that's what they're supposed to do to their kids. It's the whole spanking thing. We can get into that in a whole nother conversation. Yeah. You know, for many years, I believed I should spank my kids because I was spanked and I turned out okay. Well, I've learned a lot about hitting and spanking and I have changed my beliefs in that system. I do not believe that 
hitting a child actually helps them understand why they were doing what was wrong. I believe explaining to them why they did what was wrong is what helps them understand that. Just hitting them is going to make them think, oh, well, uh, my parents don't want me to do this, so I don't want to do it. That's not even a real reason to not do something. So I know that when I was spanked as a child, there was just, it was mostly, you're not allowed. Yeah. I don't know if I was actually hurting someone else or not. But either way, I just don't see a right in it. No. My parents used to threaten me, and I think I – I I mean, I probably did deserve to get my ass whooped. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was a bad kid. Like, I just was like – I would fight my mom about anything for no reason, just a fighter. And – but, like, uh, my mom – would always want to give me options. Like she'd always be like, well, look, you can either get spanked or you cannot have dessert or you cannot watch TV the rest of the night. Like she would let us choose our punishment. Like, and she'd explain to us why we did something wrong so we could get spanked and not lose anything or just lose something. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And so I remember one time, like my bro, my, my, my middle brother and I, who typically we do the podcast together, like, well, not typically anymore, but the other sample in the sample are, we would always like we would always be like, yeah, I don't need dessert or I don't need Disney. But my oldest brother, I remember, like we'd all messed up something. I don't remember what, but this is really funny. So my brother was like, so she gave us these options: like we could either eat ice cream, watch Disney, or get spanked and have both. <laughs> so my oldest brother just goes spank us, mom, without even <laughs> like without even talking to us. And I think that was like. That's the only time that I really remember getting spanked. But I remember, like, your mom's tricky. She bribed you into being abused. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was my like she really never wanted to spank us. And I remember though, like, I got spanked. And I think my mom is actually like, because like now that she's older, I'm sure she doesn't like. I don't know. With me, I probably oh, man, I was such a like, I was such a little shit. So it's kind of like I was a really. Man, I would always know how to like charm people into getting to like manipulate them. So I don't, I don't know. Like you I, sound like an entrepreneur. Oh man, <laughs> hopefully in the future, Alma. Hopefully in the future. But like, I would always like. So like for me, like it's it's interesting because like, uh, um, like I, I haven't really thought about spanking children. Like I don't think I'd ever want to spank a kid because I don't think uh, I don't know. I, I think like I'd rather talk to them. Because that's what they—that's yeah. what they really want—is you just to talk to them and have a conversation. I think that's always going to be the solution. But I mean, man, my parents were so young when they had me, and also you think about our parents. Like, I mean, they used to get their asses beat in schools too. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like—I mean, I remember hearing a story about some some kid calling his teacher a commo commie pinko fag. And the teacher like had him come up to the front of the class and stand in front of the board, and the teacher smashed the kid's head against the chocolate <gasps> and fractured his skull. Oh and, my gosh! What happened to freedom of speech? Oh man, it's it's like it's so crazy. And this was like back in uh, I think this was in the seventies or the sixties. So I forget who told me that story, but like that's always stuck in my mind. And it's just yeah, like, like that teacher deserved to get the shit beat out of him in public. Like in my like, it's just like it's so crazy. A public flogging. A public flogging for that, yeah. I think if you beat a kid in public, I think that's a public flogging. I don't know. I don't make <laughs> rules, but it's like or just it's, like you're ousted from the community forever, and you'll yeah, you know that's starve probably, or something. The nonviolent approach is probably always the best one. Like, I like I I'm not a violent guy, so I don't want you to think that I really believe that we should beat people up in public. But 
Like it's just like it's so like horrifying and infuriating. So he, I mean, the kid definitely had a right to defend himself against that behavior for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know, I don't know why. Or somebody else should have stepped in and defended him. I mean, yeah. that's the situation where the authority figure like takes over anyone else standing up for him. That's the whole thing. That I mean, that's exactly what the whole process, the whole brainwashing to make everyone believe in obeying authority, no matter what, that's it right there. And I don't know what the situation was, if anyone did stand up or if the kid did try to defend himself. I mean, at least try to block that from happening. I can imagine that's just like a natural response, but you would hope that somebody would stand up and be like, that's not right. Stop doing that. Yeah. That's fascism. I had a kid, I had a kid throw scissors at me when I was in like sixth grade. That's uh, that's pretty messed up. I remember from kindergarten that you always carried scissors with the handle up. So throwing scissors is like that's pretty messed up. I think that kid probably needed to be, you know. I'm pretty sure I mouthed off to him, but doesn't, doesn't it doesn't mean you should try and stab me? No, no, no not at all. Who what? knows where that kid's at nowadays? I'm pretty sure he got expelled for that. Yeah, I'd I'd say so. So what, like? How old were you when um <clears throat> cuz I think it's I didn't I didn't know that you grew up in the I don't want to say Mormon cuz it's really the Church of Latter Day Saints but to be politically correct but when did you like kind of start to think like oh this is bullshit like or this isn't for me Probably when I was a teenager Yeah I mean it's so I think that society's standards and pressures pressures on age limits like restricting us from doing certain things at different ages because society says we're not adult enough is kind of what hinders us from growing up and maturing on a natural basis because they say, Oh, you can't drive till you're 16. You can't smoke till you're 18. You can't drink till you're 21. You know, it's like, well, when you turn 14 or even younger, you're, you're physically, you know, ready to start having a family. So that's why I think so many Teenagers are just really rebellious at that age because they're being forced to be in school. They're being forced to go to church, forced to do whatever their parents want them to do. And they're like, well, why not? You know, I'm horny. (laughs) (laughs) This is weird. This doesn't make any sense, you know. And and, and, and in church, you're basically told that that's wrong until you're married. Well, when are you supposed to get married? When you're 30 in this type of society? That's kind of how it goes. So whatever that even means, marriage, you know, I'm definitely not going to – I actually did get married when I was 20 and divorced by the time I was 22 to a Mormon guy. So that didn't work out, and that was my last shot at the church, and after that I was done for good. Did you go on your mission? No, 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 no. No, I was inactive um, pretty much all through high school. Um, I didn't really hang out with Mormons a lot. I didn't go to seminary very often. <laughs> I went to four different high schools. Um, the first one was called Soro. It was in Scottsdale. And I ended up leaving there because I wanted to go to NSA, which was New School for the Arts. And I went there for two years, which was kind of cool and kind of laid back. And when I went back to public school after that, I wasn't doing so well because they were forcing all this, you know, stuff down my throat, all these courses. And I had to memorize it and test and all this stuff. And I had been in an art school for two years, majoring and minoring in creative writing. 
(laughs) (laughs) So when I went back to public school my junior year, it wasn't really something I wanted to stick in. So then I actually left again, and I went to a charter school in Mesa where I was able to take college courses. And by the last semester of my senior year, I was going to Scottsdale Community College. I wasn't even taking any courses at my high school. So it ended up working out, the whole high school thing, I guess. But if I had to go back all over, I would have dropped out probably freshman year and just worked. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I, uh, for me, it's a little bit different. Like my stuff was like, I was such a bad kid. And then like, of course I got in Ritalin, which actually helped me focus in school. Um, but like it killed my creativity. And then, uh, man, I was such a, like, I did everything that society says you should do. Like, you know, I got good grades. I went to college. I got involved in college. Um, and then it was just like, man, this is just a huge seeming pile of bullshit. Like I, I hated like my internships. I went and everybody talked to me like I was a piece of shit. And I was like, man, fuck you guys. Like this is not for me. And then I just went and got a job and I never finished school. Cause it was just like, I, I'm just getting lots and lots of debt and I'm not really learning any life skills or actual work skills. So it was just like, I, I felt like I was just, I mean, well, I was lied to. And it was just like, once I like, once I swallowed that pill, it was like, man, it's time to move on. So Yeah, I, I was paying for all my classes at SEC, and so eventually I just dropped out because I was taking classes that they told me I had to take, so I wasn't interested in them. Yeah. So I, sometimes I just wouldn't go, and <laughs> eventually <laughs> I just decided to drop all my courses besides one biology class because it was the only one I was still interested in. For some reason, I liked the teacher. I liked the topics. I liked what we were doing. It was kind of hands-on. We were, like, planting stuff and growing stuff, so it was cool. Um, But then I just stopped going for a few years, and it was when I was married um, in 2001 that I decided to go back to school. And that's when I went to ITT and I got a degree in computer aided drafting and design. So then the next seven years after that, I designed cellular towers. Nice. (laughs) I used to sell phones. Oh yeah. Perpetuated that awesome, that awesome behavior and social to everyone texting. Yep. Yeah. Um, Oh, something I should mention to people listening to this is I actually eliminated my cell phone bill. I have Wi-Fi at home, and since I work at home, I'm, you know, here most of the time. Um, If I'm not here, I just take my iPad and I connect to Wi-Fi at a local business, and I'm able to make phone calls through different apps or text through different apps. So I no longer have a cell phone bill. Yeah, I heard you say that on uh, Nathan's podcast. I think I'm too much of an addict to be able to handle that. It's like that's a yeah. that's an addiction that I have to deal with. I think just because it's so expensive and it's and all the cell phone companies are so evil. Like there's nothing. All they care about it, like it's it's so crazy. Like I worked I worked for Verizon for like five years, and that company is super evil. And uh, I think that's a great call is to, to do that. I mean, you don't need, all you need is the internet. I mean, it's, um, you don't need cable or any of that stuff. I mean, it's just so crazy. Um, Yeah. I don't have cable. I haven't had cable TV in um, six years probably. Yeah. Same here. Who really wants to watch scripted reality anyways? And I hate commercials. So why am I going to do that? I don't even like going on YouTube sometimes because of the commercials. Just get a ad block. 
Adblock will remove all that stuff for. Yeah, I guess I'll have to do that. (laughs) I need to. There's a whole. You know, you're talking about the the privacy and the downloading and things like that, and I, you know, I I'm not really sure. I guess I need to do more research myself. But I really want to get like a Linux system set up and. You know, then I can put the open source software on there that I choose, the stuff yeah. that I know isn't going to be hacked by anybody. And then I, I, it's like a learning curve. I know, but I, I think it's important for our future. And uh, I, I definitely am going to do that. That's a good move. I use, uh, I have Ubuntu and Windows on one. I actually went through, I watched on Netflix Revolution OS. And then I was like, that's it. I'm going to. I'm gonna do something with Linux. And I went. I went down that path, Alma. That was fun. And uh, you know what, Alma? This podcast is supposed to be about you. Let's talk about uh, what is an agorist marketplace. I was just realizing that, Alma. We've gone down all these different rabbit holes. Oh yeah. Okay. So a couple years ago at Porkfest, or uh, I, let's see, three years ago, I guess at Porkfest. Have you been to Porkfest? I have not. Like this is all this stuff is brand new to me. So. I'm like really new to the whole liberty movement, so this is exciting. All right. Well, Porkfest is a liberty festival in New Hampshire. Um, it's in June every year. They just had their tenth year, and there's like a thousand people that go. It's on a campground, and it's super fun. They have a lot of different events that go on. Um, I think a lot of people while they're while they're there literally become anarchists. I have to say my second year at Pork Fest is probably the year I was like, I'm an anarchist. And I love what the free state is doing. I, I'm very interested to see what the future of it holds. I think that it's a really important movement for freedom in general. Um, I still encourage people to start projects where they live already um, just because I think it's important to wake up everyone. I can't even go to a business or outside without talking to someone about Bitcoin. I mean, it's my life at this point. Activism is my life. There's no separation between the two. Every time I go to a restaurant or shopping or just even with agris that I work with on a, you know, local basis, it just, it's ex- <laughs> I don't even know what the right word is, but yeah, it's right. consumed right. my life basically. That's pretty. Um, but that's, that's I came. Awesome. I didn't even come up with Agorist Marketplace. It wasn't even my idea. Uh, someone else had created a group or something on Facebook. A friend of mine, Ethan, who I had met at Porkfest, and they came to Jackalope the first year, Jackalope Freedom Festival, and they live. I think. I think they're living in Las Vegas right now, but. They had cre- he had created a group and wasn't really doing anything with it. And he he had all these ideas of what he wanted it to become. And he, you know, wanted to create like a marketplace where people could come and purchase stuff. But when you do that, there's a lot of customer privacy that you have to worry about. And I didn't want to deal with all that stuff. So I was like, I'm just going to create a community where people can come and list their business if they accept any alternative currency, silver, gold, Bitcoin, and they can get connected for free. Um, It'll just be like kind of a database. You can put whatever as much information or as little information as you want on there. So if you're worried about people knowing what you're doing under the table, then whatever, you're not going to put your phone number or something. But if you put your email, then you can just judge for yourself who you do business with. So right now I think there's 110 agris on there. Um, It's a good place just to find something you're looking for. So you don't have to go and spend federal reserve notes if you don't want to. 
uh, I don't know, 110 agorists, that covers a lot of services. So I definitely suggest people go check it out there and see if they can find something they're looking for. There's a lot of smart people doing computer stuff and um, all kinds of software, hardware, graphics, lots of graphics. There's a lot of graphic designers in the freedom movement. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. I think, yeah, I think that's something almost everybody does. Photoshop. Photoshop, nice. I don't know how to use Photoshop. That's like one software that I haven't. I guess it's pretty easy once you get used to using it, though. Not to. Yeah. Not I to, think there's a lot of stuff I haven't even learned in Photoshop because I've kind of learned it on my own. So. Yeah, for sure. What else? What other services? It's it's is it a lot of like graphics and stuff like that i mean there's so you aren't you don't you um what do you so what do you what do you sell or trade on the marketplace well i make t-shirts so when i when i created agorist marketplace i was like well obviously i'm going to need some kind of logo and i started searching out different art and i really wanted to basically symbolize agorism in its finest so i have an anarchist symbol and a voluntarist symbol in one and then a three for agorism. So anarchy, agorism, action. That's what agorism, or I'm sorry, anarchy, action. No, I guess agorism is part of the agorism. It's very strange. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure who came up with that. (laughs) What does agorism mean? Uh, Anarchy, action, agorism. Yes, that's what it means. (laughs) I love words that define themselves. Yeah, I guess. So I created that logo and now it's pretty much on everything. Um, Dobby Barker, who does the shiny badges, he got together with me and now there's actually a pin. So you can purchase an Agris pin from me or Dobby. We both sell them. I also bought him out from the, the Bitcoin, the Bitcoin pins. I don't know if you've seen those. They say free the market, free the world. And they're really nice. They're like the nice pins, you know, that the veterans all wear on their hats and stuff. Nice. I think it's super important to have like these little tiny things that people collect and and they wear and it it just spreads the message that much further. So many people collect those little pins, you know? Yeah. People like people like pieces of flair. People. Yeah. Flair. (laughs) People like to. (laughs) But it's the truth, though. Like people uh, people. But also too, it's it's like an easy way for someone. It's like a it's like a hidden message too, because if I recognize it and you don't know me, it's an easy way for us to connect and become friends too. Yeah, that's the powerful thing. That's about true. It. Um, it's like, oh, I I recognize that symbol. I know what that means. That's cool. Or you recognize part of it, but you don't really understand the rest of it. It's a conversation starter for sure. Absolutely. Um, basically, what I try to do with Agris Marketplace. As a, as a physical market, though, because since I do work for myself, there's different things I do, like the social networking. I do graphics. Occasionally, I'll work on websites, but it's not really my thing. Um, and then I also unschool. So if you have a kid that you don't want to put in public school and you don't want to put them in daycare or whatever, uh, I will actually unschool your kid for you <laughs> if you still want to work. If you just can't stand having them in public school, but you really want to work for yourself, you know, I'll unschool your kid. I'll even unschool you or an adult if there's some kind of uh, knowledge that I have that you would like, any kind of computer program like Word or just simple things like that. I know a lot of adults Um, Like our parents' age obviously are not computer literate in a lot of different ways. So I offer all kinds of services like that. 
Um, And then if, if there's not a market that I can go to, that's already created by some group, I'll try to create one myself. So recently we, the Bitcoin meetups were at Tempe farmers market and I went there for my first Bitcoin meetup. And I walk in there and everyone's sitting behind their, their tablets or their laptops, like a bunch of dudes, maybe one, one other girl. And there was like one uh, couple selling soaps that I actually met at Jackalope last year. And uh, I was like, where's the market? I felt like I had just walked into like some Bitcoin nerd meeting. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, this is how you guys are going to like spread Bitcoin to people. I mean, I, I, if you already know about Bitcoin, then obviously they're going to understand this. But for the person who doesn't understand Bitcoin, I don't know. I just I want it to be more inviting. And plus, I want people to understand that you can use Bitcoin on a very small local, you know, agris to agris basis instead of people. People always say, oh, you're hoarding your Bitcoins. You're hoarding your Bitcoins. Well, as soon as Bitcoin goes up in value, that's when I spend my Bitcoin and I don't have very many. So I know people that have a lot of Bitcoins are definitely spending their Bitcoins. There's no way they're hoarding them when the value goes up. That's a silly statement. I hear all the time too. Uh, So anyway, we created this Satoshi Square agorist market uh, offline exchange. I talked to the owners of Tempe Farmers Market and they agreed to let each vendor pay them $10 uh, to set up a booth. So we had four or five vendors on Saturday, and I'm pretty sure I was the only one promoting it. I don't know if Tempe Farmers Market helped in promoting. It would have benefited them if they did. If they didn't, that was just silly. Uh, They could have probably got a lot more customers in there, especially because uh, they sell a lot of food in there, and we were selling other stuff. We weren't allowed to sell food because they sell food and all the licensing and things like that. So really what I'm looking for is, I like to cook at these different events. It also, it draws people into your booth. Uh, it just draws people into talk and it's hard to be able to cook in this type of statist environment where the state just controls everything. Uh, so I do a jackalope, but that's like camping and nobody is in charge there. So you can't get, you can't come and say, I'm not allowed to cook cause I'm camping. Uh, <laughs> and I, I really want to find local places here, though, where people can meet and trade or accept alternative currencies where we don't have to pay a vending fee and we we can cook. So I have a couple different ideas. I've actually recently met some people that might be willing to host something like this at their house privately where I know for sure we could you know, do whatever we want. Um But also my other option is maybe just public parks because there's a lot of ramadas at them that are first come, first serve, and you don't have to reserve it. So you can just go and set up at whichever one is open, and you can have multiple agorists there. There's all those tables. So I think that's maybe uh, my next idea for setting up a local community market. That's awesome. It's just so – it's so different too. That's what's so refreshing to hear you talk about it, Alma. Like it's like – it's going to bl- it it kind of like blows my mind to think about cuz you just like I just don't think about that stuff. I heard you telling that story too on Live Free FM about you're at a hotel and they like the like the it was like the world is ending cuz you were cooking or they like were were going through your stuff because you were cooking. It was just like really weird. 
Um, yeah, they went through my stuff while I was at my speaking event. This was at Libertopia in San Diego, and it was at a different venue this year. It was at the Town & Country uh, Resort Convention Center, and I've yelped. There's a Yelp review. You can go read it. And I posted a picture of them searching through my stuff because luckily another activist was sitting right across from my booth just watching this happen, and he snapped pictures of them. And they tried to say it was breaking some kind of health violation. And I'm like, well, if that's the case, where's my fine? Yeah. You know, and she came and talked to me. I was about to cook pancakes. I got one order out. And then I tried to say, well, what if I'm just doing a demonstration and I'm giving away the food for free? She wouldn't let me. But there was another girl that was back in the corner and she was she was doing it no matter what. But she was kind of further away from where they were and just kind of ignored it. And I just kept sending people her way. And she felt really bad that I couldn't cook, but it was all right. And she, she was cool. And then later we found a top secret cooking location (laughs) that was actually in the hotel. And I cooked dinner both nights from there. So, ha ha. (laughs) Why do you, why do you think they go so crazy over people making food or stuff to do with food? Like, what do you, I don't know if they're really afraid they're going to get sued or if they really just want to force you to buy their food. I'm not really sure. It could be a toss-up of both of them, just like a whole control thing. One person's been told what to do, and that's they just do what they're told. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know why they wouldn't just let it slide. When we were at Humphreys in San Diego for Libertopia the year before, I cooked, and we were outside in the dome, so I don't know if maybe they didn't notice or they just didn't care because we were outside, but nobody bothered us. We made coffee and like fish, uh, fried fish and French fries. We were frying everything on like uh, propane grills. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And my boyfriend, he's lucky enough to get roped into all this stuff helping <laughs> me. So, <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, um, well, I tell you what, Alma, we were at. We're at like 51 minutes. I'd love to have you on again sometime. I had a lot of fun talking to you. Um, but I try to keep these things at right about an hour. Um, anything else you want to promote real quick before we, uh, we stop recording or anything else you want to go over? I think the last thing I wanted to mention is there's a ladies of cop block calendar coming out with a bunch of awesome ladies that cop block. So check that out. Get your hands on one if you can. And then the last thing, um, are you going to um, the Liberty Forum in New Hampshire? I don't even know. I don't even know about it. So when is it? So this is really interesting to me. Like like I said, this all this stuff is really brand new to me. And I've just kind of stumbled into interviewing pretty cool people like yourself. Uh, oh, thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. The Liberty Forum is the 20th through the 23rd of February. I could try to make it probably not this year. Probably uh funds are funds are funds are, funds are low almost. But probably like in in the future when's your when's your Jackalope festival? That's the first weekend of August. Okay. And don't think it's hot or in the desert because it's not. It's up in northern Arizona where there's a forest and trees and no cactus. And it's like 80 degrees with no humidity. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. And this will be the third year we've done it. So I'm super excited. <laughs> so if, if people want to uh, follow you and keep up to date with what they're doing, what's a good way that they can uh, they can – stalk you on the internet 
Uh, well, Alma Sommer, S-O-M-M-E-R is my last name, or you can find Agris Marketplace or the Jackalope Freedom Festival. I also have a couple other pages uh, outside the city, the No Status Project, Occupy Earth. Uh, check out Freedoms Phoenix. Oh, if you live in Arizona, there's a Freedom Summit um, February 14th. Uh, that Ernest Hancock's doing. So that will be a cool thing to go. There's going to be a lot of great speakers at that. Oh, and the last thing, Drew, if you want to go to any of these festivals and you can't afford, you can create a Bitcoin starter oh. campaign at bitcoinstarter.com. And I actually created one for the Liberty Forum. I'm raising 0.5 Bitcoins just to help cover my travel for uh, travel costs to New Hampshire. That's pretty awesome. I will definitely, I'll definitely look into that. Um, well, anyways, guys, that is all my summer. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of School of Thought. Um, and, uh, yeah, guys, thanks for tuning in. All right, bye. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down There's battle lines being drawn Nobody's right if everybody's wrong Young people speak in their minds Are getting so much resistance From behind Time we stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down What a field day for the heat A thousand in the street singing songs and carrying signs mostly say hooray for our side it's time we stop hey what's that sound everybody look what's going Everybody look what's going, you better stop now, what's that sound, everybody?